Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me today. We are kicking off a brand new series today and I've entitled this series Gathering. You know, we're getting ready to get back together as a church and worship together. And I thought, man, it'd be perfect time just to talk about the idea of gathering. You know, we gather all the time. Um, prior to this whole coronavirus thing, we, we gathered in small groups, you know, gathering sporting events. You know, there's a, there's a gathering mentality about us, and, and we like to be with people. And I thought, I thought, man, this series would be perfect for us to get an opportunity to discuss why we gather. And so we're going to take the month of July and deal with this issue that I believe is, needs to be addressed, you know, because I want to ask a question this morning that maybe you've never thought about. Why do we gather? Why do we go to church? Why do we come together as the body of Christ? Why has it been so difficult for the body of Christ in this season when, it's, when it feels like we've been isolated from others? You know, I think about this from the context of Hebrews chapter 10, and this will be our series verse. And here's what uh, Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23 through 25 says in the Passion Translation, it says, So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of kindness, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. I want to read to you in a different translation. The, the NIV says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are living in different times. We are living in a different season in our lives. And I think more than ever, we need each other. This is what he asked us to do. This was the encouragement to those, uh, to those in the book of Hebrews was, Listen, don't neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. You know, I know it's um, across the landscape of the church world that it's been super slow for people to come back to church. But I want to encourage you that no matter where you find yourself in this season, the book of Hebrews tells us we need each other. He says, let us hold tight to the unswervingly to the hope that we profess and let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So I want to encourage you through this season. What is the power of us gathering? What is the power of us meeting together? What, what is it accomplishing long term? What happens when we meet together? But before we discuss the what and, and, and the what of meeting together, I want to discuss the why. I want to answer the question, why do we gather? Why, why do we do church per se? Who, who is this thing for? Now, when I think about this, we have to understand that why is important for us to answer. And the reason we must answer this question, why do we gather? Why do we go to church? 
is because when you find a better why in your life, when you find a better why to not do church, to not be a part of the gathering, you end up not going to church and not gathering. When you find a better why. Here's what I mean by that. We must discover the why we gather. You know, I don't just want to do church. I want to understand why we're doing what we're doing. You know, millennials today have said that they don't just want to do church. Millennials today want to know why we do church. Why do we gather? I believe your kids need to know why they go to church. Why do they gather? You know, we give reasons of why about everything else. Let's, let's talk to our kids about why we gather, the importance of gathering together. You know, Simon Sinek, he put out the golden circle. And the golden circle really is the what, how, and why. And it's a, it's a set of circles. On the outside is the what. The next layer is the how. And the inside is the why. Now, the what is very easy for most people to understand what we do when you come to our church. Now, some, some people that are not used to church, some that are not used to, to, to hand raising or, or singing out in church or, or hearing a pastor be passionate and tears drip down his face. The what might be a little bit different for people, even the how we accomplish the mission of our church. But what we have to understand is we have to get to the why. You know, most of life, most of our lives start with the what. What do we do? We go to work. What do we do? We go to school. We deal with the what's of life. We deal with the how's of life and, and how we're going to accomplish those things. But most of the time we end with the why. We start from the outside and we know the what, we know the how, but most of the time we don't know why we do what we do. And if we're going to create any sort of momentum for our lives, if we're going to create any sort of living authenticity in our lives, we have to allow the why, the core, to determine the how and the what of our lives. You know, I think about it this way. When we focus only on the how and the what, you can live with a false sense of achievement. Look at what we're doing. Look at how we're doing. But if I was to ask you why you're doing what you're doing, would you know? Would you have an answer for the why? And when you understand the why, most of the time you don't challenge the what or the how something's being done in your life because you know why these things are taking place. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we go to church? Why do we gather as a church? And I, there's two common answers when it comes to gathering, when it comes to us gathering as the people of God. And the first common answer that comes about is this church. So asking the question, what is, what is gathering for? What is church for? What is coming together for? Why is it important? Number one is this is the most common answer is churches for saints, churches for saints. Now, what do I mean by that? Now that's not a bad answer, but in Ephesians chapter four, we're told this, that he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice what it says, for the equipping of the saints. Some people think that the answer to why we gather is that church or what church is for or why, why church exists, why do we gather, is because church is for the saints, Right? And so when people that have this mentality of church is for the saints, it becomes like a country club. Right? Church becomes like a country club. It, it, is, it is kind of a fake it until you make it mentality. All smiles at, 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 with people that think church is for saints. Now, that's not a bad answer, but it's not the top priority. 
You know, when I think about this, I think about it from this perspective that, that the churches for saints is stiff and stale. It is, uh, we insulate ourselves from the world. You know, it's for the, the churches for the saints. And so we can't allow them dirty sinners into the church because they're going to mess up the church. And so it's like we insulate ourselves from the world. You know, this type of mentality is, it creates a fear culture. It's a, it's a culture of fear that, that happens. And, you know, we got to keep these sinners away from us. We got to keep these dirty people away from our kids. And we really just become inclusive. And it just becomes really like a, a country club for the saints is what a church, a, a typical answer is why we gather. What's the church for? And so we don't live on mission if we think this. If we think the church is for the saints, we don't live on mission. Why do we need a mission? Our mission is each other. It's us reaching the ones that have already been reached. Um, we, we lose, uh, there's no presence of God in it. It's, there's, there's, you don't sense or feel the Holy Spirit in it. It's like you're huddled up in the church just waiting for Jesus to come. And it's this church for the saints answer or mentality. You know, why do we gather? What's it for? What is church for? Most people think it's for the saints. It's a discipleship training center. It is, it is every decision in a person's life or a person that is leading a church for the saints is every decision is filtered through and for Christians, if, if you think this way. Uh, another, another thought is it's just you keep getting the saved saved. The same people raising their hand every week at an altar call. The same people because there's nobody new there. Why? Because it's just for us. You know, people with this mentality, listen, I can tell you right now, people with this mentality that want a country club, that don't want to live on mission, that, that want to live in this culture of fear and huddle around. And it's just like, you know, it's like, um, uh, it's like uh, elephants when they, they have put a kid in them of the elephants, they, they circle. The, it's like we're just in this protective mode. People with this mentality that think church is for the saints will probably not like real life church. Why? Because we have a mission. God has given us a purpose. We're going to discover why we do what we do. So that's the first common answer. The second one is this, church is for seekers. Church is for seekers. So the, the, the first common answer is more like your discipleship. It's for saints. You know, it's a holy huddle. Now on the, on the flip side of it is the church is for seekers. So we think our church is for seekers. And, and, and what has happened in the world and in the church world specifically is that the seeker church has been created out of a reaction for the church or for the mentality that church is for saints. So in other words, it's the other side of it. So over here you have the churches for saints. We're huddled up. We're, we're, we're discipling each other. And over here you have this group that is what we would call the seeker friendly. They would be the seeker sensitive. Their focus is lost uh, people. They're focusing on Jesus. Like just, this is a real answer. And it's a right answer, but it's not a priority answer. Here's what I mean by that. You mean God doesn't care for people? Yeah, he does. Jesus was all about reaching lost people. He was all about, he was named as a friend of sinners. And listen, this would, e this would be easy to justify why we do what we do is because it's right. That should be our heart. Our mission should be to see the unconvinced, to become passionate, thriving followers of Christ. But why? What is the church for? Is it for the saints? Is it for the sinners? Neither one of these ideas or answers is biblical in nature. Here's why. Is we wrestle, there's this tension of why, what is the church for? Is it, is it for discipleship? 
Is it for evangelism? What is the church for? Is it for the saint? Is it for the sinner? And I believe those answers are correct, but at the end of the day, it's, they're important, but they're not the number one priority. Why do we gather? What is it for? Is it for discipleship? Is it for evangelism? Are those good answers? Absolutely. But is it top priority? No. Listen to me today. Everything else we do makes sense when we understand what the church is for and why we gather. And I'm going to give you the $100,000 answer of why we gather. And it's this. The church, is, as we wrestle with discipleship and, and saints and sinners, the church is for God. Really, Jason, that's the answer? Yes, the church is for God. Why do we gather for God? Not for the sinner, not for the saint. Why do we gather? We gather for God. The gathering of the church is for God. See, there's evangelism and discipleship that we wrestle with. But when the church is for God, it becomes worship. Now, all of a sudden, things change. Listen to what Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, for, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. In other words, the church is for God. The, the, the reason we gather is for God. It's not just to see the lost saved. Absolutely, it's important. Is it important to see the people that need to be discipled? Yes, that's important, but it's not the number one priority. Why? Because when God is first, everything else flows out of that relationship. When God is first, and he says this, I made all things, from him all things came, through him, to him all things, and to him be the glory forever. Amen. And what's happening in our country and what's happening in most people's lives is we're throwing out the, the baby with the bathwater. What do I mean by that is we're, we're worried about offending someone. We're worried about um, what people think about us when it comes to this thing called the churches for God or the worship of God. See, it's called progressive, progressive liberalism. It's liberalism is what it's called. And it's about us offending someone. So we're throwing out the Bible in the name of love. Listen to me. We're not loving people if we do not tell them the truth about what Jesus has for their life. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, we are called to mold our lives around the Bible. So in other words, here's the point when it comes to why we gather. It's for God. So then everything in life is sourced by a vertical relationship with God. So my title of my message today is when it comes to gathering for God, what's our mentality? Our mentality is we go vertical. We were made for a vertical relationship with God. It's time we go vertical. Vertical. When we gather, yes, the sinner is going to get saved. Yes, the saint is going to be encouraged. But at the end of the day, what is it about? Why we do what we do? Why do we gather? Is to make Jesus famous in the earth that all things were made for him and through him. And to him be the glory forever. We gather to go vertical. Listen, you were made for worship. You were made to worship God. You know, all of creation worships vertically. 
You know that grass at your house? The Bible says all of creation, those little grass stems, they're out there just hallelujah, like they're pointing towards creation. The mountains speak of his majesty. The only thing that was created that doesn't necessarily go vertical in its, in its worship is humans. What do you mean by that? It's because we, we have attached glory to things that don't need the glory attached to it. So all of creation worship, worships vertically, but us, it says the word glory. He says, to him be glory forever. That word glory means this. It's the word kabod in the Old Testament. It means to be weighty. It means weight. It means glory. This is the greatest word I love, is to be honored. When we're coming together as a church and we're gathering together for worship, we're going vertical in our worship. And when we go vertical in our worship, you know what we're doing? We're honoring him. We're lifting him up. And he says this, all glory to him be glory forever. There's a word in the Old Testament called Ichabod. And the word Ichabod comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 4. And it literally means this. It says, and she named the child Ichabod because the glory has departed from Israel. Israel represents the church because the ark of God had been captured. Listen, I believe today more than anything that the ark of God has been captured. What do I mean by that? The ark of God was the presence of God. The presence of God is not a priority. That something of this world has stolen and captured the presence of God out of our life. And when that happens, the Bible says, Ichabod, the glory, the honor of God is, has departed from the church. So listen, the ark of the covenant represents the presence of God. So she says in 1 Samuel, the Bible says that the glory has departed, the weight has departed, or the honor has departed. In other words, we stop going vertical. I wonder how many times when we gather as a church, when we come in the doors of our church, that we're there just to socialize, or we're there just to see a sinner saved, or we're there just to get another encouraging word to fill up our notebook, or we're there on our social media and we're not paying attention. Listen to me today. I want to encourage you that when we gather, the reason we gather is to go vertical and worship with God. When we, when we live our lives together and we gather together is because the church is for God. And when we come into that place and we come into uh, as God's chosen people and we come together from all all backgrounds, all skin colors, all, all, uh, all economic status uh, of people that come together in all different journeys. When we come together, it's a beautiful thing. When we go vertical together, well, pastor, I don't know about raising my hands and things like that. Hey, start small. Hey, the fish is this big. The fish is this big. Carry the microwave. Touch down Jesus. Whatever you want to do today, that's that, that. I want you to understand that vertical is where we're going as a church. We're going to gather together, not just to be a cool church. We're not gathering together just to have seeker-sensitive services so saints can get saved. I believe that when we go vertical, the presence of God will be honored, and the presence of God will fill the room. And the Bible says that the presence of God draws people to repentance. And I believe we'll see more people saved. I believe we'll see more people discipled at our church when we gather together and we make sure that we go vertical. Our church is designed to gather together to go vertical. Listen, we have fallen in love with how we do church. 
It's amazing to me. Listen to what the Bible says about our lives. Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are caught in this world of horizontal struggle and we put glory on things that were not created, money, relationships, success, career, so on and so on. And most people put glory on themselves. We weren't created for glory because it was intended to go in one direction and that was vertical. The church is for God and we are called to go vertical in our worship to God. Romans says this, and this is a very scary place to be, folks. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. In exchange, listen, the glory or the honor of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. I wonder how many of us have replaced and exchanged the glory of God, the honor of God for the praises and the attention and the capturing of mortal man, of the things of this world. How often are we in our place where we're worshiping the things that are horizontal? God is calling us as a church in this next season I've seen it over our church. I've seen it happen. I know what God wants to do through our church, but it's going to take a people that is going to go vertical. Why? Because when you go vertical, you get the heart of God. Then you can love that person that you don't normally want to love. You can give when you don't necessarily want to give. You can serve when you don't necessarily want to serve. Why? Because that's God's heart. And when we get God's heart in worship as a church, we come in and we know why we gather. We're not spectators anymore, but we're participators in vertical worship to God. And when God gets the honor, all of a sudden the presence of God comes in people's lives are totally changed. Listen, what the unconvinced, the people that we're trying to reach, the unconvinced need now more than anything in this entire world is a church that knows how to go vertical. A church that knows how to go into worship in the presence of God together. They need to experience the presence of God, a church that's just not distracted and captured and their attention captured by the things of this world, but a church that says, I know why we exist and we exist to gather together because the church is about God. And when the church is about God and it's for God that we come into a place and we raise our hands in worship or we sing a song in worship together, then all of a sudden God's presence comes and people's lives are changed. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of us. And when we come together, all of a sudden the presence of God comes. Miracles happen. Signs and wonders happen. Listen, you say, well, I wonder why that some places I've been, we don't ever see miracles. We don't ever see this and we don't ever see that. Why don't you see it? It's because people aren't sold out vertically. You got to get sold out vertically. And when we all get sold out vertically and we know why we gather and we go vertical with God, the person that needs the miracle might be sitting next to you. And all of a sudden, because we're in unity and we go vertical, God starts to do things in the midst of our church. When we go vertical, resources are released. When we go vertical, Funds are released in order for us to do the next phase that we need to do. Listen to me, folks. It all comes out of the presence of God. He owns everything. He has it all. So our attention goes vertical on him. Listen, and I believe this is, this is the enemy hates this. 
the enemy hates. He, he captures our attention and he steals us from the presence of God. And there's two things the enemy has hated since the beginning of the world. And I'll close with this. The first thing is worship. He was the worship leader of heaven. He, he directed the angels of heaven. He was called Lucifer. He was an angel of light is what he was called. And he hates it when we worship. He hates it when we give glory to God. And listen, he especially hates it when you're going through hell and you don't know how to get out of it. He especially hates it when you worship through it. When you go vertical together and you worship through it. You worship through the struggle in your marriage. You worship through the financial issue. You worship through the job loss. You worship when things seem like they're falling apart and you worship through it. And the second thing he hates is God's word. He hates the word of God. He started his whole, his whole thing in the book of Genesis. How did he start? The first words of Satan was this. Is that really what God said? He's been questioning God since the very beginning of time. And guess what, folks? He will do that in your life. I want to encourage you. He hates the word of God. He hates when you, de- he hates when you start the day with the word of God and not your Twitter account or your Instagram pictures. He hates it when you start with the word of God. Why? Because when a church, when the church of Jesus Christ, when those gather together, start to realize that our life is meant to go vertical, that why do we gather? We gather for God. And when we gather for God, we go vertical in our relationship with God and worship begins to happen and Satan hates it. When the word of God is preached, he hates it. When you get up in the morning at your house and you worship and somebody that comes to our church and Sean Walker's over there and he's worshiping in his house and then Chad Robinson's over here and he's worshiping in his house. Josh Verkamp is worshiping over here in his house and TJ's worshiping in his house on Monday, all of a sudden that God, that presence of God comes as a unified group. And then we go into the world and we see sinners saved. We see saints discipled and we see God get the glory. He hates when you start the day with word and worship. And I can tell you this much right now, folks, is this, is that every Sunday at Real Life Church, we are not gathering just to get back together because of a pandemic. We're coming back together that every Sunday at Real Life Church, we will go vertical. We will worship and we will declare God's word. God's presence will come and he will change our lives. He will change the lives of people around us. The mission will be completed. The things that he wants to do us to do in the earth and the region around us. When we know that the church, why do we gather? What is it for? It's for God. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. He gets the honor. He, he gets the, the lifting up and we go vertical in our relationship with him as a church family. Then all of a sudden there becomes this explosive unity that takes place. Why? Because all eyes on Jesus, not on a person, not on my neighbor, not on my phone, not on a personality, not in what we're doing, not in how we're doing it, but because we do it, because we know the why. We gather for God. Let me encourage you today in this moment that wherever you find yourself out there, you say, Jason, I don't even know how to worship. I don't even know about the word of God or I don't know how to get into the Bible. Or maybe you're out there and you've exchanged uh, a relationship with God with the things of this world. And maybe you're out there and you're backslidden, you're away from God. Maybe you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Can I encourage you today that Jesus wants to move into the center of your heart and he wants to change you. 
He wants to take you from this horizontal despair and he wants to lift your head up vertically and he wants you to worship him. So today I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, if he's not the Lord of your life, let me encourage you today to do this. Make him the Lord of your life today. How do I do that, Jason? You believe he died on the cross. You believe he rose from the dead. You believe it in your heart. By faith, you confess it with your mouth. Mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. So no matter where you are, no matter the situation, no matter the journey today, you can come home and know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Will you do me a favor? If that's you out there, will you do me a favor? Will you pray with me just for one moment? Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin to raise from the dead, to give me a new beginning, a new hope, a new opportunity. I ask him today to come into my heart to make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. And today I receive you as Lord and Savior. Receive me into the family as a child of God. From this day forward, I'll live my life vertically for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a big hand clap. Put a little hand there, a little praise the Lord in the comments. Why? Because somebody said yes to Christ. We had somebody last week on our live stream say yes to Jesus. Listen to me. People, we're believing for harvest like never before. But listen to me. Listen to me out there, Real Life Church. Our, our lives were, were uh, created to worship. Our lives were created to go vertical in our relationship with God. So I want to encourage you. We're getting ready to gather back together. And as we do, I want to encourage you when you come through those doors, don't worry about if somebody's wearing a mask. Don't worry about if somebody's sitting at a table. Don't worry about if somebody's sitting at a chair. Don't worry about if somebody's got hand sanitizer on. Listen to me today. We're coming together as the family of God. We're laying down our preferences. We're going to come into this place and we're going to go vertical in worship. And the presence of God is going to come and people's lives are going to be changed. If you're out there today and your life has been radically changed and you said yes to Christ, do me a favor. On your screen is the word hope. Text the word hope to that number on your screen. And we want to send you some resources to begin your next steps in your relationship with God. Real Life Church, I'm praying for you. I believe the best days are in front of us. I believe that we're going to turn our face upward and we're going to know why we gather when we come through the doors. It's about going vertical and giving God all the glory, giving him all the honor because the church is for God. I love you. And as I always declare and will continue to declare, I believe the best is yet to come. I love you. Have an amazing week. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.